Hey, this is Evan Mark Katz, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love, welcoming you back to the Love You podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about dating, relationships, sex, and men from a man's point of view, but enough with the man's point of view. Today, <laughs> I've got a very, very special guest. Her name is Catherine Woodward Thomas. She is a superstar in our community, uh, highly respected. Um, I got to know her through Carol Allen, um, who is sort of the the, the sun around which all planets revolve in the dating and relationship coach community. And uh, we've gotten together a few times and, and uh, we have a great personal chemistry. I hope it shows up on screen today. I'm gonna give you her more formal introduction, um, even though she may not need one. Catherine Woodward Thomas is a licensed marriage and family therapist and the New York Times bestselling author of Calling in the One. And her most recent book, Conscious Uncoupling, Five <laughs> Steps to Living Happily Even After. It's a little play on words. Catherine's taught hundreds of thousands of people in her virtual and in-person learning communities and to date has trained and certified hundreds of coaches in her highly transformative coaching methods. She's here to share her powerful tips to attract ha happy, healthy love from her evergreen national best-selling book, Calling in the One, Seven Weeks to Attract the Love of Your Life, right here. And um, this is going to be a sort of free-form dialogue. I have some questions. I'm not very good at staying on script. So um, we're just going to dive in and, and start with basic introductions. I mean, how did you come to this work? How did you get your calling to teach other people to overcome the pain in their past? Well, first of all, I'm so excited to be on your show, and I want to congratulate ah. you on your show. Um, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, well, I was, I've been a spiritual practitioner since the age of 14 and uh, I've also I'm a licensed psychotherapist and I've been on my own personal spiritual journey for many years and 14 though development. 14 I had a, a spiritual awakening when I was 14 so, other, gr other <laughs> girls are you know bo no, boy obsessed was, and st no, studying for math tests and I was a really bad girl so that all that meant is I had some experience with um, you know praying and then suddenly having this bolting of light go through my whole body and it I got obsessed with reading the Bible so all it meant is I would sit in the girls room with a cigarette in one hand and the Bible in the other <laughs> who among <laughs> us hasn't had that experience okay. Okay, please continue. Right. I was just struck by you know, the, the, the age of your spiritual awakening. But I had a lot of problems right. in relationship in my whole life. I, I had a, a tumultuous upbringing. It was somewhat, you know, traumatic and dramatic. My mother was a teenage mother and, you know, need I say more. So I had a lot of, uh, a, a tremendous lack of stability that then followed me into my adulthood. So if you ever had told me that I would one day wind up being the teacher of loving relationships, I would not have believed you in a heartbeat. Seems to, seems to be a lot of people's story. I that mean, right, like was, the, the people who go through the greatest transformation are the ones who have the most to offer. I, I guess so. You know, I, I, I started low. My bottom was low. Okay. okay so well, that should be hopeful to anybody <laughs> who feels similar. Right? You could always be Catherine. Well, and it was very painful. I had this particular pattern of unavailable men. Okay. And no matter, you know, size, shape, form, situation, always Same one, guy, different body. Possible love, married, engaged, alcoholic, commitment phobic. For a while I was an art therapist with homeless men on Skid Row and they had a particular fascination with me. So, I mean, it was just ridiculous. And then the, the really nice guys, the one that would be husband material that you'd love to bring home to your parents. Like, they didn't see me. Sure. You know, they, they somehow there was just no connection. Hmm. So it was for me, my pattern was either a, a big, you know, no-win drama was gonna happen, 
or I was alone. So I had consequently had a lot of time alone too. And it was really painful. And at some point I was doing so much inner work. I did 12-step work. I did transformational work. I did healing work. I did seminar work. My whole 20s was spent doing inner work and really into my mid-30s. That was kind of my full-time job. And so I became a therapist. I founded a nonprofit for the homeless. I was doing all this loving work in the world. And still, like, the pattern continued. And it was very painful, and it was very confusing. And it wasn't until I was in my early 40s. I just turned 41. And, you know, and it, for me, I had always wanted to be a mom. So I was still had a little bit of thread of hope, mm -hmm. um, but I was mourning that possibility. And I was fortunate enough to come across a group of people who were gathering to support each other in intentions, setting intentions, and manifesting those intentions. And it was more just, you know, it was, it was different than just kind of rah, rah, go for it. It was like, I'm really in there with you. I'm holding that intention with you and for you. So most people were doing things like, I want to buy a house, I want to double my income, I want to start a new business. But I had just had yet another failed love affair where after six months of dating, the man I was dating asked someone else out for New Year's Eve. Hmm. Ouch. That's not cool. <laughs> I realized I did it again, this completely unavailable person. Um, and I called up a friend from this group, and I set an intention that I would be engaged by my 42nd birthday. It was eight months out. I had no prospects for a husband, let alone a great husband. I'd never been able to do this before. But she said something that changed my life, really. She said to me, Catherine. I think any time someone says that, you, you have the, their fullest attention. <laughs> I'm going to say something that will change your life. <laughs> this that's, better be good. This better be good. I, I'm very careful <laughs> before I say that. Pay attention. What changed your life? So she said, Catherine, I will hold that intention with you if you give me permission to hold you accountable for being the woman that you would need to be in order to be engaged by your 42nd birthday. That's some good ass kicking advice. That was awesome. Because instead of running out to find love, like, mm. you know, frantically, I've got to keep this commitment, I suddenly became very interested in going within to discover all the barriers I'd built against it. And it started me on this quest, like, if I took full responsibility for the pattern, even though it just seems like it's my fate, even though it just seems like it's just happening to me, how might it be happening through me? I, I, I love this. I'm, I'm, I'm torn between wanting to interrupt and let you just oh, go no, do your interrupt. thing. Go, I just, go, go, go. I um, um, the idea that things happen to you, yeah. right? And, I, and we hear it all the time. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with men. I'm a magnet for these kind of guys. Right. That that becomes the story, right? The going story, right. as if it's true, right? And the hardest part is, who am I being that is allowing this to happen, right? And so I, I would say, you don't attract the wrong men. You accept the wrong men. You're not oh, a ma you're not a magnet. That. It doesn't happen against your will. These are these are probably subconscious choices that you're making. Mm -hmm. That until you could identify, and this yeah. is what you do so brilliantly, identify how you arrived at this point. You do, you do work in the past. I do work in the present. Right. So to me, what you do is so useful in helping people figure out how did I get here yeah. and where do I go from here? So please continue. Well, and, and, and to just you know, flesh that out a bit, I not only do work in the past, but I do work in the future. Okay. Because 
And I think a lot of us are trying to figure out our internal obstacles to love by going back to the past, and we get stuck in the analysis. What I do in Calling in the One, you see, I started with an intention. I'm going to be engaged by my 42nd birthday. It was outrageous, unpredictable, had never happened before. It was bold. It was kind of crazy. And from my perspective, not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> from your perspective. Well, because, because it's, it's, it's important to have the intention to find love, to get a ring on your finger in less than a year. Usually, I, my last podcast is why you should wait at least two years to get married. Well, I so, agree so with like, you so now. like, I, I love the idea I of taking bold action. But I, I'm all for slow and steady. And, and the women who are 41 and have, want to have a baby understand the urgency. Okay. I, there are many of my clients. No, no, no. I, I get, I get it. Just, <laughs> no, and I, the other I, thing I want to say yeah. about that is that the only way that one should do that is if you're not really fixated on the date. Mm -hmm. It's something to put in place because it creates an urgency yes. to do your own work. Like, okay, I've got this game on. Mm -hmm. It means like, wow, if I was really gonna backtrack it, like I'm gonna be engaged to a great guy in eight months, I have some work to do, right? And it needs to happen five minutes ago. So, so we're looking for that kind of being on the edge of your own development, like leaning in, efforting it, making it a priority. So, of course, that began this inquiry. And every day I would start just sitting on my meditation cushion. And meditation for me at the time was just simply getting still and listening, moving into a place of listening. Maybe I would do some writing and reflections or I'd ask life a question, and I'd, and I'd really attempt to sit in the quietness and stillness and, and, and listen for the answer. So, which is a different form of like, you know, traditional TM meditation or something. But it was more like a contemplative meditation. So I would ask the question, like, what would I need to give up? And this is based on Michael Beckwith's work. He created a process called the visioning process. And, uh, and, and I had heard about it, so I, was, so I would sit in, in the morning, I'd say, what would I need to let go of uh, in order to become the person I'd need to be, to have that happen? What would I need to begin to cultivate and, and, and to, to, to become in order to meet that date with destiny? And you know, the thing that I have discovered is that we can be very, very savvy and sophisticated psychologically and spiritually, but until we ask the questions and know even what questions to ask, we will just stay in our little maze going round and round and round. But the moment we actually sincerely ask life, please show me, I'm willing, then all sorts of things will start to happen. I love that. And we're going to take a short break and we're going to be back to hear exactly what questions we're asking. Okay. Right. I don't want to give okay. away everything that's in here, but I want to go a little oh, bit deeper. Oh, there's a lot in there. You can't give it away. I, I don't doubt <laughs> I it. I have to sit but here We're going to come hours. back after this with some more uh, Love You podcast with Catherine Woodward Thomas. Hey, this is Evan Marquette, dating coach for Smart, Strong, Successful Women. We're back to the Second part of our Love You podcast today with Catherine Woodward Thomas. We're talking about calling in the one seven weeks to attract the love of your life. Uh, at the end of this video, we're going to uh, give you a special offer how you can get some free material from Catherine if this subject interests you, and I'm sure it does. Um, and we were talking about uh, the, the meat of this, right? We, we, we got to how we got to. Uh, wanting to be a creator and, and, and healing what's inside you that's been preventing you from finding love. What are some of the inner blocks that, that 
uh, most women experience subconsciously that are getting in the way of, of their own success. Great. And you had said you, you had said something too about what, what are some of the questions. Yes, sorry. I... What are some of the questions that we're asking? So I, I really have been able to kind of discern four major areas that I consider uh, the biggest inner blocks to love. And the first one has to do with incompletions in the past, any kind of way that we're still victimized. And it's very hard for us to get out of victimization. Even what you, the examples you were giving before about, you know, it's just kind of happening to me and I don't see how it's happening through me, is a very victimized consciousness. Life is doing it to me. Destiny's doing it to me. The culture's doing it to me. Men are doing it to me. My messed up parents are doing it to me. I'm doing it to me. I'm messed up from my childhood and my subconscious is doing it to me. So we're kind of in a very victimized relationship. I'm so glad you said that because when I say that I get my ass handed to me. Really? Yeah. Well, how do you say it? It's 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 it becomes this this endless dialogue where you can't win because you're dealing with such an emotional subject. It's so very personal. Um, I write positive things on my Facebook page about how to have love. Be a generous partner. Trust. And, you know, I'll come, I'll come back with, you can't trust men. And I'm like, you know, that, that is not serving you well, right? right. It, you've been hurt by men. That's not all men. It's not the whole story, right? But the second you suggest or I suggest that you're responsible for the choices that you've made in men, it's... Oh, so now you're victim blaming, <laughs> right? So right. it's this really ugly circle where well, I, I would think your way of doing things allows people to arrive at these conclusions on their own when someone on the outside is telling you it. Well, it's, it's, you know what it is? You have to get, you have to create for people. And we all have to do this together. We have to understand, because it's never easy to call ourselves out on victimized thinking and victimized ways of being. And no one wants to see themselves in but that way. But we light. all want power. And we all want the power to have a different future than our past. Okay. And particularly those who've had really toxic upbringings. And um, there's not a lot of hope that people have. People can get really stuck in the story, and then there's a lot of evidence for the story, and it feels like it's happening to you rather than through you. And so I get, I, I really try and remind us all that the, the place where you have command over your destiny and where you can take back your story and you can create an experience of happy, healthy love no matter what your experience is in the past, that's directly correlated to your willingness to understand how that story has been happening through your own consciousness and be able to shift. So there's like a, a, an interest, right? There's an interest in leaning into power and, and self-responsibility. And I like to tell people that you're not wrong you're not wrong and you're not at fault for what happened to you. And there might be other people who are, you know, were totally wrong and totally, but we are as adults now responsible for our own evolution. I find this heartening, um, the way, you know, my interview with Rhonda went, because we're talk I'm talking about people who are friends of mine, but I'm not deeply or intimately familiar with their work. I just know that they're mega successful at what they do. They transform lots of yeah, lives. Yeah, we hang out and have a glass of wine but, at the holidays together. <laughs> but, but, it's, but it's so heartening to see how much of an overlap there is between what you do. And I'm not a spiritual person, right? But, but what you said completely echoes everything that I do. And, right. and, and, and for me, you're, you know, you're, you're trained. I'm, I'm just a made-up guy who's been making this up for 14 years. It's very validating to hear that you're saying some of the same things that I 
It, it's really, you know, this is where we are collectively in our development, is this kind of command over our own consciousness so that we're no longer victimized by that which is unconscious. You know, Carl Jung once said, that which remains unconscious occurs in our lives as fate. And so we want to become conscious of ourselves. Now, the ways that things are happening through us are very subtle, mm -hmm. and this is why it's been hard to see. So, for example, I'll show one of the things, and that's one of the things I've really, since the book came out in 2004, I've been able to really develop it, and this is through working with thousands and thousands of people now. Sure, it this helps is, you hone your own material. This is what I've gotten very, we've gotten very masterful at, so there's to really break down when you have a story from your childhood, like, I am alone, men always leave, and I can never get what I... I, I keep hearing one, I'm not good enough. I hear that, that a lot. That's a really big one, I'm not good enough, other people don't really value value me. Um, so what happens, so let's take that one, other people don't really value me, so I have to work really hard to keep proving my value. Well, what happens when somebody's constantly giving, overgiving, putting you first before themselves, people pleasing to try and trip over themselves yeah, to impress you, put you up on a pedestal. as you start to devalue yeah. them? It literally evokes the mirroring that sure. then validates the story. Mm -hmm. And so we're all doing that, and that's how we're trapped in the story. And a lot of people also will think, you know, oh, I keep marrying my mother, I keep going out with my critical father, Father, you know, well, it's not really that. It's that you yourself have developed a relationship that's mirroring that toxic dynamic, where you're self-critical, where you're not self-encouraging, where you self-abandon, and then you know, relationships with others can never be any better than our relationship with ourselves. And so, even before, where you said, I'll write that okay. down. I'm just stop. <laughs> relationships with others. I, I, I wanted to, like, I, you took my pen, right. but. <laughs> The, the, uh, the, things, the things that I want to write down, there was, there was the one about uh, uh, things that happened to me or rather than through me. That was a thing that I was like, I got to remember that when the segment's over. And relationships with others can, cannot Never be better be than your relationship, relationship with, with yourself. Right. Those are the things that so far I'm like, I'm going to cite that use it in my own material and quote you. Well, thank you, and I'm gonna quote you. I like, what did you say? It's not that you're attracting these people, you're accepting these people. And then I was gonna to add to that, and it's also that you're training them. So you might, you know, sometimes if we have like really- You show people how to treat you. People who would never treat other people like that suddenly start showing up in that same abusive, toxic, disrespectful way. Mm -hmm. And it's deeply confusing because all of it's unconscious, right? So. So, I mean, I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself in the story sure. because I want to go back to That's your right. first question. How did you get into this? Well, so yeah, there, there were four things that we were going to be <laughs> talking about things, in this segment. Right. right. Okay. But we, we're right, going we're gonna to get there. I promise. You're going to get everything, the whole story. So, um, but, the, but the, one of the things that I'm really proud of is one of those four things is the core love identity. And that is the literal core sense of self that we have when it comes to love that develops when we were very young in response to whatever was happening or not happening with our caregivers. Does this have anything to do with attachments theory and it does, be, and I'm be, being really, secure from a young age? I'm and, really interested in the consciousness of attachment theory. I've been doing a lot of research on it now mm -hmm. and, and uh, developing some ideas based on the calling in the one work. Uh, because the calling in the one work will uh, is very adept now. We've gone into being able to really accurately name a lot of these. A lot of these beliefs we know. We're all savvy people. Anyone here listening to us with us today is savvy. They kind of know their issues. They know they're codependent. They know they have self-esteem issues or intimacy issues. 
But, the, but I find that when it lives in the vague land of issues, you really don't have access to do much other than very slow and steady progress. What's going to create like a true awakening where you all of a sudden see the possibility of a very different future than anything you've ever had before is when you awaken to the truth. And you're able to, number one, name the matrix of beliefs. And I said before, you know, I am alone. Men always leave. I can never get what my needs met. All limiting beliefs. All limiting beliefs that are all one part of a story, right? It's a sophisticated story. Beliefs about others, beliefs about myself, others in life. And beliefs might as well be facts as they're we processed in our so brain. We are so overly identified with our feelings and our thoughts. Yes, we think that, that if they think they're true, we, as, we and true a, as this yes, table in front of us. That's right. God made the mountains, God made the sun, and God made me to always be alone and mm -hmm. just be of service to other people. Yeah. Right, that's the story. So with one of them, there's about, I've actually done research, it's about 21 core beliefs that are... Do you have, do you have these? I've, I have your, them written your, out. Because I'm like, now I, I have to sign up for you. I have to find out what those 21 core beliefs yeah, are. Yeah, I, I have them written out and I give them out in the, in the, in the intro course and we go over them. And, Yes, and I train people, coaches, and how to deconstruct them. So, and so, uh, so let me just let me just give you a taste of it. So, the I am alone. How are you the source of that experience? Well, for example, whenever there's maybe, first of all, I'm constantly self-abandoning because I'm terrified of conflict, because I think the conflict is the beginning of someone's going to leave. So then I'm creating that dynamic inside myself. I'm leaving myself alone. I'm putting someone else's feelings and needs before my own, I'm abandoning my own perspectives. So that's happening. And then when a conflict does arise, I might see it as the beginning of the end. So instead of actually going in there and calling and saying, can we work this out? I really love you. You're super important to me. I don't want to lose our relationship. There's things I don't understand that's happening. Can you explain it to me? You know, which are good conflict resolution skills. Someone who has an I'm alone might be missing those skills because Generally, they were like latchkey kids or they were kind of alone in their household. They never had that kind of interaction with their parents, so mm -hmm. they didn't learn it. So it's missing development. And instead, what they'll do is they'll just assume, like the truth, oh, he's getting ready to leave, so I am going to do a preemptive strike and start to kind of signal him that I'm not really interested. I'm going to distance. In the attached, in the attached book, they call it protest behavior. I'm going to react to what I think you're going to do. Um, right. right, right, and it's it it because that's the self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly, and so it, it it it's really hard to untangle it. It's anxious women, avoidant men, and replaying that same old script, right, based on those fears. The the attachment consciousness yeah. for someone who's love avoidant um, is generally uh, there's some way that I'm not valuable. Mm -hmm. The attach the the beliefs around someone who's love avoidant is some way that other people are untrustworthy. Love is dangerous. So that's and so we get to the core consciousness in my work, and we actually shift it at that level. I know I I, I I love this. I this is stuff that I wish I knew. I I, I couldn't have come and that, that's the amazing. Thing. <laughs> I couldn't have come up with any of this stuff myself, um, because I come from a very different place. I actually come from a very secure background. Right. And so these are issues that I see with my clients all the time that um, I wish I had the language. It's very landmark, but I wish I had the language to explain to them the things that I sort of see anecdotally. Yeah. They make sense, but, yeah, yeah. but you've turned it into a science. So yeah, yeah. I'm excited to learn I'm a little happy. bit more 
I, we, this, is, this is why we're together, because we share it with each other and we enhance each other's work. It's great. All right. So this is Evan Marquez. This is Catherine Woodward-Thomas, and we will be right back with the Love You Podcast. This is Evan Marquette, dating coach for Smart, Strong, Successful Women. I am back here on the Love You podcast with Catherine Woodward Thomas, author of Calling in the One, Conscious Uncoupling. And we are continuing this conversation. This, this compelling conversation. This compelling, tangential, overlapping <laughs> conversation um, about the stories that we tell ourselves that keep us blocked subconsciously. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, 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 I'm learning just how deep it goes and how very common it is, where, where should we pick up this thread well, so, as so, it pertains to... Okay, so we're talking about the four inner obstacles to love that are identified, but we're particularly talking about beliefs. So I'll go back to my own core beliefs. So I feel like if I'm watching, I'm like, all right, you gave me one, I think. Core beliefs. All right. You have to transform your core beliefs at the level of identity because where we're centered in identity is really where we're generating our lives from. And it's almost impossible for us to really receive and sustain something that is outside of our identity to have. And a lot of, a lot of strong, successful, smart women, a lot of us have an identity of being okay with money, money's not an issue, career's not an issue, friends are not an issue. If you struggle with the area of love, it's probably because it's outside of your identity. Sure. To actually that's have well, what it is. That's very want. well said, and it's not. I never thought of it that way before. I'll often ask people when they're they're inquiring about coaching with me. Um, I'll say something like when I'm writing their online dating profile, "What makes you a great girlfriend?" And then you hear like crickets. Oh. Because it's not as you said. I just never it's, thought of it as a term. It's not part of the identity. I, they don't. I don't see myself as a as a loving, giving partner. It's not that I'm not loving and giving, it's just it hasn't been part of my life. I've built up all these other things wow. to compensate for the fact that wow. I don't have that. Wow. So you really, like I've had people start to just break down and cry. Just at, from that at, one Just question. at the question and what it implies. I have no idea what makes me a great girlfriend because I don't identify. So I, the, 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 the word identi identity is very powerful. Mm -hmm. Uh, and again, I never thought of using it in, in, in that in that context, but it but it's, it it strikes me that there's I, I am a corporate attorney who speaks two languages and has a master's degree, and that's who I am. Right. Right. I'm not used to being part of a loving unit. Right. So um, so there's a whole five step process that I've really developed because what happens, it's not as simple as, oh, okay, so I could I just take on the identity, I'm a loving girlfriend. Well, that might be the beginning of it, but we look, we help people to see like, well, how old were you when you decided that you were kind of on your own in life or not good enough or invisible or not safe or whatever the story is, one of the 22 stories. What did I say, 21? 21, or maybe 21 there's a new stories. one since we've been here. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I think you're inspiring me. Okay. One of the 21 stories. And, um, and, and then we look at, okay, well, how is that story happening through me? And I'll tell you why that's important. Because that we are pulling on people, and we're all unconsciously communicating who we are. And we're gathering evidence to the story. And to we're support what we already to, believe. To support what we already know. We're interpreting what people do as validation, it's, whether or not it has anything to do with like it. It's like wearing a pair of glasses. Right. That, that, you know, that, that you so know, every, it makes everything uh, 
blue. <laughs> so what I help people to do is say, well, how old is the you that's in that story? And all that's, of a that's sudden, that's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question, right? Well, these because, are the questions we're talking about. Because all of a sudden, now you've engaged a different part of the self, and you've identified that oh, it's actually a four-year-old that's holding that story. And then you realize, oh, a four-year-old is like in charge of my grown-up love life. That's probably not a good idea. And then, and then from from the competent, wise adult center, you can say then to yourself, well, what's really true about that idea? That God made the mountains, God made the sun, and God made me inferior, you know. And and you can think about it as though you were going to tell a friend. You know, you can use all of your strengths and resources. And so in the in the work that we do, we come up with what we call love power statements that get us into a deeper truth. And then we start to identify the new ways of showing up that would be congruent with the deeper truth. And of course, then the development that we would need to now engage to be able to sustain that over time. You're so steeped in this. When did you first develop this? Well, this was me sitting on the cushion trying many, to figure it out myself. How many years ago is that? Because again, you, oh, you this is like 16 years ago. Si so you're like yeah, the yeah, first yeah. person to to do exactly this kind of work, I right? Am. Like I am. I, I birthed something. I mean, it, obviously, there's so many people who influenced me at the time. Sure. That particular little group you mentioned, Landmark, before that was a Landmark-inspired group. Uh huh. I love Landmark because the thing that Landmark helped me to do was to be able to step back from my own thoughts and feelings and examine my consciousness. This is Landmark Education, <laughs> landmarkeducation.edu <laughs> org, maybe, right. I don't know. Yeah, um, and they're uh, wonderful. They do the weekend seminars, the forum, and stuff like that. So they're just a great, you know. And so, so this got birthed 16 years ago. 16 and, years and ago. And again, really, it, it, the way you talk about this sounds like the way people talk about their own their own family, right? Like you know it so Oh yeah. Well, deeply. I've had it, it is. It's probably almost like the religion you've created, my own little cult. It's kind of true. You called it the calling in the one bible before it kind of it kind of is. And I have thousands of devotees who are, you know, thrilled by the work. I have coaches who've like been with me for years and years and years and Could you could you tell me a memorable anecdote about someone who overcame something big thanks to this right sort of story beginning middle end of 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 how this actually works in practicality because yeah. it's it's wonderful and it's interesting it also sounds the very theoretical okay well we are getting into theory okay so let me just tell you let me tell you my story and then i can tell you some of the other stories sure. too i'll finish my story sure so so at the time what i noticed is that i had a very big story my identity was that i'm not valuable and that was a really big obstacle because, you know, for someone to choose me, I was almost like I couldn't bear, like a wonderful person to choose me. And um, so I looked at that, I deconstructed it. I mean, I just like, well, how am I enrolling people into I'm not choosable, I'm not someone to choose, I'm not worth your investment. And I started to see covert things like I would speak um, in disparaging ways about myself. I would under-present myself. Um, I would uh, shop in thrift stores and kind of not not invest in myself. I wouldn't invest in my own development. I would just how hard I'd, was it to see these things? Because again, there those are things that would be almost readily apparent to any third-party stranger who's observing you for 24 hours with a hidden camera. Just like, right. let's look at, at Catherine and, yeah. and, you know, pick her apart. 
how did you get the perspective to look out and see yourself objectively the way other people saw you? Because that is the biggest challenge in the world for all of us. Well, and I think that's why we do it in community, truthfully, in Calling in the One. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've broken it down. And I have coaches who work with people because it is challenging to really see it. But, but if you, again, going back to the question, if you ask, life will start to tell you. And, and there are things that we know are out of integrity and off in how we show up. I think we just have a very victimized relationship to our habitual ways of being. And we forget that we are creatures who know how to learn. Like if we really wanted to learn Italian, most of us could probably learn Italian. So it's growth mindset versus fixed mindset. It I, is. I, I'm doomed to be this way versus I am uh, constantly in a process oh, of change Oh, people will say all the time, like, well, I can't stand up for myself because my father, you know, always, you know, punished me when I did. And I say, well, is it... He's dead, I, and he's I say dead to now. Them, so. Right. <laughs> well, I say, and I say to them, see if you can just shift the word can't to won't. That's more, because it's more just, accurate. It's more accurate. I want, and, and see if you can say, I, I, choo I, I choose to kowtow and people please rather than stand up and have the courage to say what's true. And the moment that we start remembering that we're adults making choices, then, then we have the power to begin I to I think there's it. something very difficult. I know what I do is, is often misinterpreted because we're, we're holding two contradictory ideas in our head at the same time. Number one, we're, you know, a big part of what I do is confidence. Right? Confidence is the umbrella under which all of my coaching comes. If you are a confident woman, you'll do everything differently. You'll, you'll write a clever text to someone differently. You'll right. show up in the bedroom differently. Right. You'll communicate with your partner differently. The confidence, right, from, from the inside out, knowing how to speak your mind and having healthy boundaries without freaking out, without making someone wrong, is important. Great. And then, on the other side, pushing back from that is humility. Right. Right? Because you have people who are underconfident and who are always steamrolled in relationships. And then you have people who are so arrogant that they can't even admit that they're wrong and it's everybody else's faults. Right? And they don't have the humility to realize, hey, someone has to put up with your faults too. Right? And both are true of most people at most times. Mm -hmm. Right? We have our insecurities, we have our arrogant side. Mm -hmm. And so people hear sort of contradictory things based on, on where they're at. Does it make any sense? Yeah. Well, and I think, but I think what you're talking about is, is being able ultimately to do relationship from an adult center. And when people have these kind of unresolved, festering, quote unquote, issues, they will regress on an emotional level to a child center, and then it doesn't go well, because that's where the lack of confidence really People lash is. out like five-year-olds. Yeah, they, well, they do all sorts of things or they hide or they start to people please or they start to give their power away. So back to the questions, one of the questions that you might ask yourself is um, you want to also look at another one of the obst inner obstacles is core resentments, particularly around love. Where do you still feel victimized? Where did someone do you wrong? And you're kind of left with the residue of that. And I like to say to people, you know what, you're probably right. The probably person did horrible things to you. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Even if that other person was 97% right, let's look at your 3%. Because your 3% is where you're going to be able to graduate from this pattern. And you're going to be able to trust yourself to love and be loved moving forward. If you don't get your 3% you just stay in a victimized perspective, then you are never going to really be able to trust yourself because on some level you'll know that you're liable to do it again. So the question to ask yourself when you're stuck with a resentment, where did I give my power away? With that, 
We're going to take a break. We're going to come back for the final segment with Catherine Woodward Thomas here on the Love You podcast. Really digging on this. I hope you are too. <laughs> This is Evan Mark Katz with the Love You podcast, where you can learn everything you need to know about dating relationships, sex, and men. And my special guest is Catherine Woodward Thomas, author of Calling in the One and Conscious Uncoupling. And we uh, have our non-linear storytelling, <laughs> where I can't help but to interrupt sometimes. But the important part for yes. our last segment is that she finished her story. This finished the story. Finished exactly. the story okay. about. Okay, so the other yeah. one of the other ones. No, it's the this two, is good stuff. two inner obstacles. The other one that I looked at was mm -hmm. old agreements, right? So if you, I don't know what that means. Okay, so so we have we make decisions all through our lives. I'm never going to do this again. I'm going to do that. You're we the, make up these rules. We make up these rules, and part of the rules are kind of verbalize things we say out loud like you are the great love of my life or if we've taken a marital vow we've stood before God and before our, you know our friends in the church and how can we walk that back you know, and how could exactly so like one woman I met had been uh, divorced for 10 years hadn't had a date gorgeous woman was confused and we we tracked it back to she was still keeping her wedding vows got it, it he, he'd gone on he was married he had two kids with somebody sure. but she was faithful so um, so, you know, we have, we, we make these agreements. I myself discovered this because I had a boyfriend all through high school and uh, he didn't want me to go to college because he went into his family's business and the whole thing blew up when I, blew up when I was 18, but it was very heart-wrenching. And very in a Romeo moment of Juliet. passion, it was very Romeo, it was tragic. And in a moment of passion, I said to him, okay, well, we can't be together now, but when we're in our 60s and we've made all our choices in life, let's come back together and we'll marry then. Of course, he went on to marry somebody else the following year, but I was still inside of that agreement. I was waiting, <laughs> waiting, waiting. You know, and I dreamt about him for 20 years. And oh like, my. So it wasn't a conscious agreement no, I was keeping. very powerful. But these agreements, you know, I'll never love anyone that I more than I love my father. Um, you know, I'm the, I'm the smart one. My sister's the beautiful one. You know, all of these kinds of, uh, or to ourselves, I'm never going to let myself get hurt that way again. Sure. They serve as intentions in our lives. So I had to I had to actually bring this man into meditation because he was still married. He had kids. I didn't want to call him. I hadn't talked to him in over 20 years. But I brought him into meditation. I had a conversation with him, soul to soul. You know, whether it was real or not was not important to me. I wanted to shift it inside myself. And I was able to thank him. I shed a few tears. And at the end of it, I was done and I felt liberated and I stopped dreaming about him. The interesting thing about that story is I saw him about maybe eight years later. Mm -hmm. We Actually, I didn't see him. I had a phone conversation with him. It was a very tearful reunion. Um, and he told me that he confessed that he had dreamt about me for 20 years too. I oh said, boy. when did the dream stop? He said, hmm, about eight years ago. So, I don't know. It's a little on the woo-woo side. I know yeah, you don't like don't woo-woo very much. I, I call that a neat coincidence, <laughs> yep. but okay. who am okay. I? But what he called, but Einstein called it spooky action, that non-locality. Okay. Lynn Mataggart wrote a whole wonderful book about it called The Bond. But anyway, so there's, you know, Pulitzer Prize winners who've researched that non-locality. But I think we all really on some level are connected with each other. So we want to get complete with everyone in our past. That was the, the third one. And um, then the other one was, of course, toxic ties. And I had some toxic relationships where I was giving away power. And you can't really want to have an empowered relationship you know, the best that life has to offer and be like 
a slave in your relationship with you know one of your parents who's dominating you and you're not telling the truth or setting boundaries so you got to get your relational field healthy and clear in order to really manifest healthy happy love and sustain that that's why I tell every woman who uh, comes through me that she's the CEO of her love life men are interns applying for a job and <laughs> you get to decide what happens next you can't put yourself in the role of intern please pick me please love me please validate me it's right. ultimately your choice and if he doesn't do a, right. a good job and if you don't feel good within the relationship Relationship. The relationship isn't really serving its purpose. What's the point of maintaining something that doesn't bring you joy and buoy you? Mm -hmm. And I think that's what people settle for. They, they don't think they can do better. And so mm -hmm. well, I guess this is what love is. It's just a lot of work. And right. I'm, I'm a big believer in the easy relationship where every time you see someone, they bring joy into your life. And if they're not bringing joy into your life, you should probably not be seeing Thank that person. Thank you for standing for that. I love that. I'm with you 100%. I'm very, very lucky. I made yeah. a lot of mistakes before I ended up doing this job, like, <laughs> like all of us. And and uh, sort of ended up reverse engineering. Hey, what did I do wrong? How did yeah, I get here? And I, I, you know, I have a very happy marriage, and and, I, and it's important. I, yeah. I, I gave the same, largely the same advice before, but uh, now I not just because I'm walking the walk, but I can say, here's what it actually looks like. It exists. It's not fantasy. It's not reserved for just an exclusive few people who get lucky. You could actually consciously create that. Mm -hmm. And I think um, working with you is is such a important primary step and I, I really want to encourage anybody um, who is a fan of, of my work in this show to investigate mm -hmm. Catherine's yeah. work especially as a precursor before you start doing any love you stuff with me Thank my you. first month is on confidence that's really picks up where she leaves off yeah um, that's great so I mean I, I, and I confidence, mean it's like living from your powerful adult self and so yeah I am doing all of the this is the these are all the inner inconsistencies with the future that we want to create um, so here I am sitting on my cushion on the couch oh, back to the beginning. every morning. You totally tell stories like my wife. My <laughs> wife and I will go, we'll go out, we'll be like, we'll be, t we'll be driving to a movie and then we'll go out to dinner, we'll see the movie and we'll get back in the car and she'll pick up the conversation that we had when we left the car. It's, ama it's an amazing skill. Without skipping a beat. No, it's like, no. We, 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 no, no, yes, no. no, you got it. We're back to the first we're question. Back. Like, we're back. How did you get into doing this? <laughs> okay. Right? 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 Okay, so we're back to the first question. So, how I got into doing it. So, I'm doing this for myself. And then I'm doing also silly things. Like, I get off my cushion one day and I notice that all the artwork on my walls in my home are all these like beautiful, noble looking women staring off into space, <laughs> you know, all alone in the world, you know, doing service to the world. Sure. So, I put all the girls down off the wall, put them in the closet, went and bought Chagall prints of, uh -huh. you know, goats and violence and <laughs> married people floating in the air. So, you know, I started to create an environment. Della Reese told a story once where um, she said that when she was ready to manifest her beloved, she decided to go out and buy uh, two placemats for the dinner table. And she would set dinner for two every night and mm -hmm. sit at the table. And she'd walk in her house when she came home at the end of the day. She'd say, hi, honey, I'm home. <laughs> you know, It's like trying on the consciousness, sure. preparing ourselves for the future that mm -hmm. we're committed to creating. So a few weeks into this process, I start to, re I, I get this, intuitive hit I should call this man that I had not talked to in six years I dated him six years before I thought of him as the one that got away I didn't do it I was too shy I thought oh my gosh he was such a great guy I'm sure he's married with kids two weeks after that I went to a church service at the Agape Church in Culver City thousands of people there had been going there for 10 years had never seen this man named Mark there that day lo and behold there he is across the parking lot
And again, I have a shy attack. I turn away as a, and I don't go and speak to him. And by the time I gather my courage, he's gone. And I say to myself that thing that we all say when we lack courage, it wasn't meant to be, mm. <laughs> right? After the fact rationalization. <laughs> exactly. A couple of weeks after that, <clears throat> I'm complaining to a friend. He's not here. You know, my birthday's coming up soon. Where is he? I haven't even met the guy yet. And she convinces me to get on the internet. Now, this is 16 years ago. I was there, but I get it. Nobody had their picture on the internet. People just had like little fake names, two hearts beating as one, you know. Sure. That was their signature. But, and, and all you knew about them is the city they lived in and then whatever they chose to tell you. So I didn't want to do it. It was like still weird to me back then, but I was coachable. So I got on this site. There are a quarter of a million people on the site. I put in some stats, 80 potential partners come up. I respond to one man only, and he writes me back the next day, and his name is in parentheses next to his email address, and it's Mark, the man I dated six years earlier. Pretty neat. And Mark and I were... One would say that might be serendipitous. <laughs> I love that skeptical mind. <laughs> but it's, yes, it's, it, one it's, could it's, say. What, what, one what, could say. What, but, it's, it's, but you know what Goethe says? That the moment that one is committed, all matter of assistance, which have been, you know, would have been completely unforeseen, begin to arise in one's favor. And that's just a principle in the universe. And I like to think that people can create their own luck. By ta by take by taking certain action, right? You, you you make it happen. Yes. So you know, I'm I'm not uh, I'm are. not I'm not an anti law of attraction guy. I'm saying all well, those all those positive intentions plus action steps is is going to get you, you to know, your destination. You know, the book came out in 2004, and there's a lot more sophistication sure. in the whole conversation about law of attraction. It's not just about you know feel it and it will come. I think there's a certain co-creativity that mm -hmm. happens where. You know, we, where God is not really in the parent position, God, please give me a husband, but God is more in the co-creator position. Like, this shall be so, and who would I need to be, and how would I need to be showing up to cause it to be so? And uh, when with that kind of commitment and fortitude, something really begins to happen. Well, so, I, well, I'm very grateful to have been witness to uh, all this this deep, meaningful brilliance that you're sharing with the thank world. You, thank um, you. I've learned a lot today, uh, uh, not just about your work, but about you. So thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, and I want to give you the opportunity to, to tell our listeners here at the Love You podcast where they can get more of you yeah, and more great. of this, uh, this, this stuff, this transformative stuff that's going to help them feel better and, and find the love of their life. Great. Well, if you go to callingintheone.com. There's a link down below if you're watching this on YouTube. Callingintheone.com, you will find a free 75-minute uh, seminar that will stuff. really take you deeply through these four inner obstacles to love and get you all lined up to be able to create that miracle of love in your life. There we go. Um, I'm, uh, I'm so glad I'm interviewing friends of mine who are so <laughs> smart. Um, and that it's not just me doing all the yapping all the time. So this is this is great for the evolution of this podcast yeah. and for Thank for everybody you. who took the time to, to uh, make it through through uh, what is essentially a, almost a full hour of content. So yeah. thank you for being here, uh, especially on such short short notice. And uh, you were dropping off your daughter at school and then yeah. rushed up here and made yourself look all pretty for me. So um, <laughs> I want to thank you. Catherine for being here. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, my name is Evan Mark Katz. This is the Love You Podcast, and uh, we will be back next week. I don't think I've figured out what my next topic is, so let's 
just sit tight, but tune in <laughs> next Wednesday and I will be back with something really juicy for you, I promise. Talk to you soon. Thank you.